Today, I'm going to preach to you about graduation speech. It is graduation season, and I figured some of us just need to graduate some stuff today. So I brought my cap and gown. I got the tassel. I'm going to pretend like I am your keynote speaker and that we are all part of the class of 2021. Come on, give it up, graduates. How many of you guys, when you went to your graduation, you were that goofy person that walked across the stage, did a cartwheel, did a flip, like pointed at everybody. Where's all the hands at? Where's everybody that was just like having fun on the stage? Yeah, oh, that was me. Like I was kind of crazy up on the stage. Let's play that music a little bit more. I like that music. Just How many of you guys love the pomp and circumstance music? I could just listen to it like every week. Y'all are like, don't go that far. It's not that awesome. It is. It's inspiring. There's something about graduation that just gets me excited about life, right? Like, how many of you guys remember when you graduated high school, when you graduated kindergarten, when you graduated something? Where's all the, like, have you ever graduated? If you've ever graduated, stand up and give yourself a big round of applause for being a graduate of something. <laughs> this is the craziest moment that we've had in a while. All right, now we can bring the music down. Let's talk about, let's talk about graduation for a second. Graduation, y'all are like, what is happening right now? Am I at church? Church should be the funnest place that you go to every week. The most spontaneous, exciting place should be church. Um, and that's what you're gonna get when you come here at Victory. You never know what's gonna happen. But let me just say this. When I was at graduation, I remember those feelings of excitement, nervousness, like checking to make sure that, that everything was, you know, looking right. And, uh, and then I was thinking about what, what I was gonna do next. And everybody was asking me that question. What are you gonna do next? Where are you going next? Are you going to college somewhere? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know, what should I do? And they're like, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. And then I would get frustrated because they were asking me all these questions and I'd be like, what are you gonna do? And they're like, I'm not the one graduating, you are. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, I, the, all the pressure to figure out the next season of life, the next chapter. And by the way, I do wanna shout out anyone who is graduating for real this year. If, if you're a senior and you just graduated college or you just graduated from high school or about to, can we just, if that's you, raise your hand. I wanna cheer on the real class of 2021, all the seniors in the room, all the graduates. What a crazy time to graduate. What an amazing time. And I was praying over the speech I was gonna to give to our Bible college and to our, our school here at Victory. And as I was looking over it, I started thinking, you know, our church needs a graduation speech. Our, our church needs, because all of us in this room are going into a season, and all of us need that extra pep in our step from the word of God of what would God say to us if we were graduating into a new season? And so if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Kings chapter two. 1 Kings chapter two. I'm gonna turn the tassel here. The turning of the tassel, right? The turning of a page. The start of a new season. And that's where, that's where this scripture finds us, is King David is literally about to step into a new season. In fact, he's about to graduate from earth into heaven. He's about to step from, from living here into eternity. And it says in verse one, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge, a graduation speech, a graduation speech, a toast, a charge to Solomon, his son. He brought his son into the house and he said, son, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You're gonna look for me tomorrow and I'll be gone. My body will be in the grave. David knew his time 
was up. His season on earth had come to an end. David had given everything he had to the life that God had given to him. You know, when I die, I wanna make sure that I die empty, that I've poured everything I have into the life that God has given me. Miles Monroe said this, that the richest place in the world is the graveyard. Because in the graveyard are buried dreams that people never acted on. Businesses they never started. Books they were supposed to write that they never wrote. Songs that were supposed to come out that never came out. When I die, I want to make sure that I've poured every single thing that God put inside me out into the life that he's given me. And that's where David was. He was there and he had served his generation. He had served his family. He wasn't a perfect man. And by the way, God's not looking for perfect people, just surrender people. And so David is talking to his son as a graduate. And he says, listen, Solomon, I'm, I'm graduating. My season here is done, and you're graduating too. You've been, a, you've been a young boy. You've been watching me lead the kingdom of Israel, but now it's your turn to lead. Now it's your season. You're graduating from being the apprentice, from being the student, from being the one who was mentored, to now being the one who leads the organization, who leads the kingdom. And watch what he says here. He says, be strong and act like a man. Solomon's like, I am a man. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, why are you telling me to act like, I, I, I am a man. But, but what David was saying here is, you've been a boy, it's time to be a man. The world needs men who know who they are. In a confusing world where men are questioning if they're women or if they know who they really are, David is saying, Solomon, the world needs to see a king who knows who he is, so act like a man. Act like a gentleman. Act with courage. Act with strength. Act with wisdom. What you have, what's inside you is what this kingdom needs. And then he says this, observe what the Lord your God requires. Obey him. Walk in obedience to him. You know, if I was to sit down with some graduates and, and they were to ask me, how do I succeed in life? I would say, well, we need to define what success is because our society says success is, you know, driving a nice car, living in a nice house, having a high paying, you know, salary job, uh, a job that has all the benefits, that success is appearing impressive in the eyes of people. But see, none of that stuff really matters to God. Like God's not impressed with how nice your house is or how, how brand new and nice your car is or what your salary is or what title you hold at the company. None of that really matters to God. What really matters is the heart. Success in God's eyes is obedience to God. We need to get back to the real definition of success because otherwise we'll be graduating every season missing the mark of what real success is. Success is not making a ton of money. Success is obeying God no matter what. This is what David told Solomon. Obey the Lord your God. If you obey God, you will prosper in all that you do. Wherever you go, you will succeed. And, and I'm telling you right now that so often we've, we've misplaced what real success is. Like I remember when I was um, in this class and, and we were getting ready to graduate from ORU. It was 2008. The housing market had crashed and jobs weren't being offered like they once were during that time. And guys in my, in my class, we were all trying to figure out what are we going to do next? And people were like listing out their plans and their dreams and people, then it got to me, they had asked like 20 people in the class, everybody had great stuff to say and I had no plans. <laughs> so as I'm listening to theirs, I start like making, I start stealing their plans and I'm like, that's what I'm gonna do too. And so they get to me and I'm like, I'm gonna start an orphanage over there, I'm gonna live in India for a year, Africa for 10 years, gonna build a couple hospitals and they're like, you're literally just saying what we all said. You know, 
And I was, I had no, in my mind, I was like, success is doing something that's impressive in the eyes of all the Christians, impressive in the eyes of pastors, impressive in the eyes of my parents. And I'm so thankful that God busted all those myths and showed me that true success is obedience to God. So if God's called me to be a stay-at-home dad or work for Starbucks or work at Home Depot and be an usher in the church, whatever he's called me to do, I'd rather obey God and not appear impressive in the eyes of everybody else than appear impressive in the eyes of everybody else, but know that I've missed the mark on what God's called me to do. God's looking for real obedience. Class of 2021, turn to the person next to you and say, it's our time. Happy graduation. So here David says to Solomon, if you obey God, you will prosper. You will succeed. Follow his commandments. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. God, that you would teach us what it is you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that we would leave today with just a greater courage in the season that you have us in, in the season that you're taking us into. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So yeah, I remember, you know, walking across that stage. I had my diploma. I remember walking, you know, after my senior year of high school, trying to figure out what I was gonna do next. Had some plans, wasn't sure if I was gonna go to college or just go straight into getting a job. And, and it kind of felt like this adventure. Right, like I was, I was sitting with a couple of guys that I had a band with. We we had a band. We were called Envoy. My mom bought like all of our CDs. We were awesome, and uh, sold out. Sharon Darty bought them all, and um, boosted my confidence though. Like I was like, man, guys, we have some really good music. My mom loves us, and they were like, yeah. I was like, we should take this on the road, and they were like, well, none of us have jobs, so let's go do it. So. We went on tour in 2008. We were graduates of ORU, 22 years old, going on tour with our band, touring. We were playing for like huge crowds of like 15, 20 people, 30 people. And, um, but, but here's like, we were in obedience. It was fun because we were obeying what God had called us to do. We'd all prayed about it. We all felt like, man, we're supposed to do this. We weren't making hardly any money at all that summer. We were just having fun, playing music, leading worship. And, and just bringing teenagers into the presence of God. And, and I remember that summer as we were out there doing that, I felt like the Lord began to speak to me. And, and he spoke to me these words to plan to be surprised. Plan to be surprised. You make all of these plans and you prepare all of these things. And it came like God will speak to me from movies, from music, from so many things. But those words came from a movie I had seen earlier that year. I was watching this movie called Dan in Real Life, and this father is raising his daughters. He's a single parent dad. He loses his wife. She, she dies from a, an accident, and his daughter is getting ready to graduate. She says, Dad, what should I do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what my next season holds. Should I get this job? Should I go to college? Should I do this? Should I date this guy? Should we get married? And he says, you should plan to be surprised because life is full of curveballs and surprises. Life is full of unexpected things. And so if you make all of these plans and then you're surprised, you're going to miss out on the real joy of life. That the real joy of life is planning to be surprised. And I remember that summer just hearing the Lord speak that to me, plan to be surprised. Then the next week I got a phone call from my sister. She said, hey, we're moving on the mission field. We're going to China. And there's an open position for you to work part-time at the church. You can work in the college ministry. You can serve there. You've been serving as the worship leader. Now we, we want you to consider being the college pastor. It's a part-time job. So I prayed over it, and, and again, I just felt like the Lord was saying, this is the surprise. This is just one of many surprises. And I remember stepping into that role, 
And, and it was as if God had been preparing me my whole life. And I want to just say this to you in the room. God has been preparing you your whole life for the season that you're about to step into. Everything you've walked through is preparation for what you're going through and what you're about to go through. Little did I know, I had no dreams of being in college ministry. I was just planning to be surprised. And God began to unfold. Like, when you look at the stories in the Bible, none of these guys knew what the next season was going to hold. All they knew was who was going to hold their season. Like, when you look at Abraham, Abraham didn't know where he was going. All he knew is that he had a word from God to start moving in a certain direction. Joseph had a dream that one day he would lead his family, but he didn't know how it was going to unfold. He didn't know that sharing that dream would land him in a pit as a slave in Egypt for the next 15 years. David had a dream one day that he would be the king of Israel, but he didn't know that for 16 years he would have to run from a crazy, mad king that was jealous of him. No one knew the next season, but they knew who held their next season. And one thing I think God loves is God loves it when believers are willing to walk in the uncertainty of every season, trusting that God will lead them. God loves it when we walk into uncertain times because it requires us to trust him. And I want you to imagine today that you're going into an uncertain season because the truth is you are. You don't know what this next season holds. And just like I didn't know what the next season was going to hold, that when I stepped in that college ministry position, within one year, my father would step into eternity. And that all of a sudden, like the acceleration of pastoring would come on my life. And that then I would be pastoring this church. None of us fully know what next year holds or even what next week holds. But we know who holds our future. And I want you to imagine that you're going on this adventure, this trip, and you've been given a backpack, right? Because as students, as graduates, we all have our backpack. I'm a backpack kind of guy. I'm not a briefcase kind of guy. Where's my backpack people at? You, you just go around with your backpack. Like, I carry my backpack everywhere. Wherever I go, I got my backpack. Sometimes I get checked by security because they're like, what's in the bag? But that's what I want to ask you today is what's in your bag? What are you packing? What are you packing in this bag for this next season? Because what you pack will determine how you handle the next season. And what you unpack. Some of us are packing hurts and wounds and shame and insecurities and regrets. Oh, I wish I didn't do that my junior year. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have dated that person. I wish I didn't go there. I wish I could go back and change that, but you can't. And so you need to unpack your regrets and you need to unpack your shame and you need to pack some stuff that's going to help you for the journey. So I want to give you real quickly 10 things to pack as you step into this next season. Number one, pack your joy. Pack your joy. Class of 2021. Have fun. Enjoy life. God has created us not to live in misery our entire lives, but to rejoice. Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. In a world that's full of stress and anxiety and anger and people are triggered and get that mask above the nose, you know, and it's like you don't know, you don't know who's happy and who's not happy. It's like Everybody's bipolar. Everybody, you don't know like when people are going to snap on you. And, 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 and I'm telling you, there's something about believers who just choose joy. Joy is my choice. It is not up to other people to determine when I'm going to choose joy. It is up to me. I have to pack joy every day. Why? Because the journey needs joy. The journey is so tough. You need joy for the journey. You need joy. You need to loosen up and lighten up. God loves a good sense of humor. He really does. He really, I think God, I was talking, I went on this mission trip about 10 years ago, 
And on the mission trip, I'm sitting on the bus, and on, like this person comes and walks on the bus, and I look at him, and I go, that's Jeff Foxworth, the comedian, the guy who does jokes with Larry the Cable Guy, the redneck joke guy. Y'all know who I'm talking about, Jeff Foxworthy? He gets on the bus with me. And I'm like, John, my brother John was in there. I was like, that's Jeff Foxworthy. And he's like, I know. Let's talk to him. You know, so I'm like, hey, Jeff, I love your jokes. He's like, thanks. And I start telling him his jokes. He's like, they're not funny when you say them. I'm like, okay, cool, true. And he's like, I already know those jokes. And I was like, okay. I was like, hey, what kind of advice would you give someone who's, you know, getting ready to step into a new season? He's like, what are you about to do? I was like, I'm getting ready to start pastoring our college ministry and start talking to him about that. And he said, man, I've seen so many pastors burn out. He said, if I'm really honest, he said, I'm a believer. And he's like, but I've seen so many, not just pastors, but believers, that just seem so depressed, like so defeated. He said, one of the reasons I got into comedy is because I feel like people just need to laugh. Like we, we laugh as babies, but once we become grownups and adults, we become so stiff and so serious and we lose our humor. And so he said, I would just encourage you, Paul, to enjoy the journey. I was like, he said my name, say my name, say my name. Jeff Foxworthy just said my name. And he's like, Paul, enjoy the journey. Pretend like you're on the back of a Harley Davidson motorcycle. And I was like, I like where you're going with this. And he's like, but you're not the one driving. Papa God is. And I was like, oh, Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy calls God Papa. Cool. And I'm like, he's like, Papa's in the front. You get in the back. You're holding his belly. And he's driving. <laughs> I'm like, this is a really interesting analogy. He's like, he's driving up hills, and you're shouting, wahoo, and you're smiling, and the wind's blowing your hair, and you got the Oakleys on, and I was like, this is a great dream, and he was like, that's how you need a pastor. You need a pastor like you are having the time of your life, and have fun. Have fun. Some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Turn to someone next to you and say, have fun. Have fun. So, so our family, we, we like to have fun on this, on this journey of ministry and life. We have darty parties every week. That's what we call them, the darty party. And we'll just turn on like old school DC Talk Carmen music. Like, who's in the house? JC, tell me who's in the house? JC. And we'll just start doing like dance parties in our house. We'll laugh. Why? Because it's important to have joy for the journey. Like, it's important to not take yourself so seriously. It's important to loosen up. I went to McDonald's the other day. I love Mickey D's. Any Mickey D fans in the house? Three of us? Cool. I got the app on my phone. <clears throat> I'm pretty serious about it. <laughs> Y'all are like, whoa, too far. <laughs> no, but I, like, I've been a fan of McDonald's since I was a kid. And the barbecue sauce means a lot to me. I love their BBQ tangy barbecue sauce. And so I, I went there the other day, and I was like, I actually don't want anything except for four barbecue sauces. And the lady looked at me, she was like, what are you? I was like, I'm a human. And she was like, why are you, do you want anything else? I was like, no, I just want the barbecue sauce. She was like, you know, fries, you know, nuggets. Or I was like, no, just the sauce. She was like, what are you going to do with it? I was like, it's none of your business. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? She was like, I don't even eat this food. I hate this place. I hate my job. And I was like, what? You're supposed to be loving it. I'm loving it. Dad jokes. And I was like, why are you working here if you hate this place? She was like, why are you coming here to only order barbecue sauce? And I was like, point taken. I was like, but let me, let me just say this. I'm going to eat this barbecue sauce later. I'm going to make some stuff in my house. I'm going to have some McDonald's barbecue sauce. She was like, I actually don't care. I was like, okay. 
But I was like, you should love your job. Here, here's what I want to encourage you. Uh, Solomon, he said this in Ecclesiastes 8. He said, I recommend that you enjoy your life. In Ecclesiastes 8, verse 15, he says, I recommend that you should enjoy your life. Because life is too short to live angry about your job, stressed about your family. Some of us come into church, and we just got in a fight in our minivan, and we're like, like you're not even looking at him right now in church. I, mean, I don't even want to look at him. I'm so mad right now. You know what? At least you're in church. I'm so glad. Like, we break up fights sometimes in the cafe in the lobby, and I'm just so glad that, like, married people just come in, and they, they have, just bring your mess to church. This, it is okay to not be okay. Just come to church. But the only problem with that is, like, if it's every single week that we're breaking up the fight and you're angry and you just come into church with that, you guys have a resting face? You guys have an RBF? A resting believer's face? It's like, I believe in you. I believe God of miracles. You need to change your RBF. <laughs> You need to tell your external face to catch up with your internal beliefs. If the joy of the Lord is your strength, tell your face to smile every once in a while. David said in Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Whether I'm working at Mickey D's, Starbucks, serving a dude who only wants barbecue sauce, or whether I'm pastoring or living in Africa or living in India or serving in the hospital, I'm gonna choose to rejoice. And I have to tell myself this every day. Ash and I totally understand any couples that come to church and you're in a disagreement, an argument with your spouse, we get it. But you know what, we have to choose every day. I am gonna take captive of my emotions and my feelings and I am not gonna live depressed, defeated, angry, stressed, and constantly on edge with everybody around me. I'm gonna pack some joy. Everybody say, pack your joy. Pack your joy. By the way, Proverbs 17, says, a merry heart is like medicine to your body. It's like, like when I laugh and when I rejoice, it, it makes me healthier. It takes down my blood pressure. I'm more calm. I'm more peaceful. I'm smiling. I'm rejoicing. I'm on the back of a Harley Davidson. I'm enjoying my life. Number two, pack your forgiveness. Pack your forgiveness. People are going to hurt you. Y'all are like, I didn't come to church to hear that. But the truth is, they will. Because people are people. And people are going to disappoint you. They're going to let you down. People who were supposed to do something for you. You're going to pour your heart into people who don't reciprocate the same love back. And that's painful. It's painful when you go above and beyond to honor, to love, to help people, and then there's no gratitude or no reciprocated honor back. People will betray you. People will, like, if Jesus had a Judas... What makes you think you won't have a chance? Like there's going to be people who just hurt you. And, and, and if you're not careful, you start holding grudges and instead of packing forgiveness, you start packing like stones of hurts, grudges, resentment. And what you take from one season into the next season is going to affect the next season even more than the last season. How important is it to forgive? And like your next season is hinging on forgiveness. Forgiving yourself and forgiving them, the people who hurt you. When my dad got ready to go into ministry, he sought out his mentor and he said, I want you to tell me the best piece of advice that you could give to a young pastor. And this was someone that my dad really looked up to. So, you know, he got, had his pen, he had his journal. Here's Billy Joe, he's listening to his mentor. The mentor says, okay, you ready for it? He says, yeah, tell me. 
He says, if you don't get bitter, don't make it. So that's What's next? He said, that's it. If you don't get bitter, you'll make it. My dad said, that's it. That's the only advice you're going to give me? He said, that's the only advice you need. <laughs> and he said, because Billy Joe, people are going to leave. And people are going to hurt you. And there's going to be times where you feel so entitled to be angry. You feel so entitled to be bitter and upset. Even family members. People close to you. David's dad forgot about him. David's father-in-law wanted to kill him. Right? We all have some of those in-laws. <laughs> I don't even know. That wasn't in my notes. but Maybe we don't all have some of those in-laws. You don't really have a Saul chasing you this week. But you might have someone who's just mean to you. Just straight up mean. And, and the guy told my dad, he said, you're going to have people who are just mean. And you're going to have to guard your heart because if you get bitter, you won't make it in action. You won't last. You'll quit. You'll quit, and you'll, you'll never want to be a part of a church again. You have to guard your heart against bitterness. You have to practice forgiveness every single day. I'm going to take this hat off because it's kind of squeezing my head. Um, but I just want to encourage you. How many of y'all in the room need mercy? Anybody in the room need forgiveness? Like you've made some mistakes? If you didn't raise your hand, we're having an altar call at the end for all the liars. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Loosen up. You're not a liar. But you need to admit, you need forgiveness. Because you have hurt people. You may not even realize how bad you've hurt some people. And if you're going to get to heaven one day and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, then you need to practice that same forgiveness towards people who've hurt you. And so I would encourage us that we would pack forgiveness. That on a daily basis, we would choose not to hold grudges. That we would choose to let things go. That we would choose to shake it off like Taylor Swift. That we would shake off all the hurts, all the mean words, all the unkind things. That on a daily basis, we would pack forgiveness. Number three, pack a good attitude. Pack a good attitude. Attitude is a big thing. Like, attitude can determine how far you go in life. And you know what? God has given us all the power to choose what kind of attitude we're going to have. Isn't that amazing that we get to choose what kind of attitude we're going to have? Whether we're going to have a sour, negative attitude or a positive, uplifting attitude. And my attitude is my responsibility. Attitude means the way you look at life. It is the way you choose to see people, the way you respond to events, situations, even yourself, how you respond to things that are out of your control. Your attitude is not something that happens to you. Your, your attitude is something you choose. So I can choose to live with a positive attitude even when negative circumstances come my way. I can choose to rise above it. I can choose to see a positive. See, our world is full of so many like negative perceptions. Like, like, instead of saying that there's a 70% chance of sunshine, we always hear that there's a 30% chance of rain. You know what I'm saying? Like, the weatherman doesn't get on the news. He's like, we got six full days of 70% chance of sunshine. No, he goes, we got six full days of 30% chance of rain. And we're like, oh, man, that's a tough one. Ah, rain for six days, 30% chance, guys. 30%. How come we're not focusing on the 70% chance of sunshine? Why are we so focused on what... Negative things might happen. There's a 10% chance there might be a tornado this week. Ah! The sky is falling. There's a 10% chance. There's, if you live in Oklahoma, there is always a 10% chance that there might be a tornado. Okay? So welcome to Oklahoma. <laughs> but you know what? There's a 90% chance there won't be one. And you know what? There's a 90% chance you're going to have an amazing day if you have a good attitude. And you know what? A good attitude stands out in your company. 
A bad attitude stands out and a good attitude stands out. If you want to get a good job, have a good attitude. If you want to keep a good job, have a good attitude. If you want to be promoted at a good company, have a good attitude. What makes us think that God wants to promote people who have attitudes that are constantly pessimistic and negative? God, I'm telling you, God, he pays attention to how you treat people and how you respond to situations. Philippians 4 verse 8, Paul the apostle, he's in prison, he's in a dungeon, and, and he's writing the book of Philippians, and while he's writing the book of Philippians, he's down in the dungeon, and he's surrounded by the city sewage. So the city sewage, everybody's junk, comes right into Paul's prison, and it's down by his feet. And here he is, he's writing Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord. And then he goes to verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. And as he's writing this, he's probably looking down at the junk around his feet. And then he's going back to the words, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Then he's probably looking down at the sewage again. (laughs) If anything is excellent, what is he doing? He's choosing what he's going to look at. He's choosing what his attitude is going to be fixated on. That he's not going to focus on the junk. He's going to focus on the good things that are going. Because stuff happens, but I'm telling you, you don't have to let that stuff determine your attitude. You don't have to let that stuff ruin your attitude. When, whenever I was in um, high school, I would bring home my report cards to my parents, and I was like a very positive person. So I always wanted to start off with the positive stuff. I was like, guys, I got an A in PE. I'm killing it in PE. I'm one of the best students. Also, I want you to look next at math. I got a B. That's pretty good. B stands for best. B. You got a B? Now, now, down below, don't look too long, but I got a C right there and a D right there. But let's go back to the A and PE. Like, I wanted to just fix everyone's attention on the positive stuff. And my parents would laugh, and then they'd be like, that's not good. I was like, at least I'm not on drugs, though. Like, let's talk about, let's talk about, I'm not doing cocaine. I'm not on heroin. Like, I, yes, I got a D, but let's focus on the positive stuff. You know, but here's what I'm saying. We always have a choice every day to pack a good attitude, to focus on what's good, and to carry that good attitude, to think, and have an attitude of gratitude. Like, if you're working somewhere, if you have a job, go tell your supervisor thank you this week. And you might feel like, well, my supervisor doesn't deserve that kind of respect. They don't deserve that kind of gratitude. Gratitude is not about what they deserve. It's about who you are. I'm a grateful person, not because people deserve my thank you, but because I am a thankful person. So I'm going to show thankfulness and gratitude even to people who treat me like poop. Number four, pack your hunger to grow. Pack your hunger to grow. Just because you're graduating, my friends, just because you're getting a diploma doesn't mean that your learning is done. Pack your hunger to keep on learning. Keep on reading your Bible. Just because you finished the daily Bible reading plan, just because you finished that chapter doesn't mean that you should stop reading. Get another book. Enroll yourself in another class. Enroll yourself to keep on learning. Keep on growing. As long as I'm alive, I want to keep on learning. Because the second I stop learning is the second that I stop truly living. I'm telling you, when we retire our desire to learn and our desire to grow, we're basically saying, I'm done. I've arrived. I remember sitting with John Maxwell, who's like an amazing leadership speaker. And I, I asked him, I said, what are, you, what are you learning right now in this season in your life? He was like, read my books. I was like, okay, yes, sir, I will. I said, but is there anything that you would tell me right now? He said, yeah. He said, I would tell you that there was a season in my life for a long time 
where I was asking the question, how much longer do I have to keep working until I retire? And he said, it all changed in the last five years. He said, I met this guy named Simon Sinek, and I was sitting with Simon, and Simon started asking me, John, what do you dream and desire to do in your 80s? And he said, I, I dream to play golf, sit on my couch, and go on trips with my wife, and retire. And he said, but John, what does the world need from John? And he started thinking about how God had created him for a purpose. And he said, you know, I, I started really thinking about why I had put a finish line in my life. And he said, that day I decided to erase the finish line. I took my pencil and, and my eraser out and he said, I erased the finish line that I was going to retire at 75. And I decided, for the rest of my life, I want to make an impact. For the rest of my life, if there's breath in my lungs, I want to keep learning. I want to keep growing. I want to keep living. I want to keep ministering. I want to keep helping people. I choose to erase the finish line. I never want to lose my hunger to grow and to make an impact. When he said that to me, something just leaped on the inside of me that I should never lose the desire, that I should erase the finish line, that I should choose every single day to keep on learning and growing. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are the hungry people. Blessed are the thirsty people. Blessed are those who are hungry to keep growing spiritually. Blessed are those who are not stale and arrived in the religion as if they figured it all out, bought the t-shirt, know it all, there's nothing new to learn. Blessed are those who show up to church with a notepad and a pen and say, I'm hungry to learn more. I want more of you, God. Blessed are the moms and dads and sons and daughters who graduate one season, but they never graduate learning, and they keep leaning in with a humble, teachable spirit to say, I've erased the finish line. I want to keep learning. I want to keep growing. I want to keep moving. I want to keep impacting. Number five, pack your perseverance, because life will be full of curveballs. Life will be full of painful moments. I want the keys to come out. Pack your perseverance. To me, if I was to look up the definition of perseverance and I had a, di a dictionary that would show me pictures of people who represent perseverance, I believe I would see my mom's picture right next to that word perseverance. My mom, Sharon Darty, she showed such perseverance when my father went to heaven and she stepped into that role as pastor, interim pastor for our church for those five years. I watched her endure so much pain and yet she just kept getting back up week after week after week, and I would talk to her, and, and I would be on the phone with her, and she would say, Paul, we got to keep persevering. we got to keep persevering, because a defeated world needs a persevering church. A world that throws in the towel needs a pastor that won't. Too many pastors have quit. Too many pastors have committed suicide. Too many people have just thrown in the towel and said, can't handle the pain, I'm done. And if you're going to make it in life, if you're going to make it in ministry, if you're going to make it in anything, You've got to pack perseverance. You've got to pack a spirit of resilience to say, come hell or high water, I'm going to keep moving forward. This is what Paul the Apostle said in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. I'm not saying that I have it all together. I absolutely don't. I'm not saying that I have it made, but I am saying that I'm on my way. I'm reaching out for Jesus, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Paul could have lived with regrets. He could have thrown in the towel. He had made some mistakes. He killed some people, right? Like he had a bad, bad rap around all the Christians. But he said, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in any of this spiritual stuff. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us 
onward, onward, forward movement, keep moving. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if you cannot walk, then crawl. If you cannot run, then walk. If you can't, just keep moving forward. Keep taking a step every single day. The world is counting on you to persevere through the pain that you're going through right now. And I'm telling you, one day on the other side of this pain, you're going to have a testimony that is going to help so many people overcome the thing that you're overcoming right now. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you let the lies of the enemy convince you that it's impossible or that it's over. Because God, we serve a God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, hope, dream, or imagine. We serve a God who brings the Lazarus back to life. We serve a God who supersedes what the doctors have said. So pack your perseverance. No one said that to me, but I felt it. I felt it when I was going into pastoring our college ministry. No one said, hey, Paul, you should pack your perseverance. But I felt something. I felt something. The night that my dad passed away, I felt this, this sense that we're going to have to persevere. We're going to have to persevere. There's going to be some things that are painful. Plan to be surprised. But plan also in those surprises that God will supply the strength you need to handle the surprises that come. Number six, pack your purpose. Remember that in every season you have a purpose. Regardless of what position you have or what title you carry, you always have a purpose. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 13 through 14, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Your purpose is to bring glory to God wherever he has you. Your purpose is not contained to a season or a title. I met someone in our church who used to run a very, very large organization. He was the top person in this organization. He was the president. 500 people reported to him, employees. Multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And he said, I'd like to sit incognito in here. And uh, he said, if people knew what I used to be in charge of, they would immediately know who I am. He said, now I just come to church, and um, I'm no longer, he said, some, some, a series of unfortunate events happened, and I'm no longer in charge of that. And he said, I, uh, I, all the money that was connected to that was lost. And he said, now I come to church every week faithfully. I'm here, sitting in the room. And he said, but my purpose has not changed. Just because my title changed, just because my salary changed, my purpose has not changed. Just because my season has changed. Some of you had kids in the house last year, but now you're empty nesters. But your purpose is still the same. Your purpose was never to be a mom of those kids. That's an amazing part of your purpose, but your true purpose is to point people to Jesus. Some of you have lost someone in your life. You lost your spouse. Like when my mom lost her husband, she could have said, oh, my purpose was attached to my husband. My purpose was attached to Billy Joe. And so many people lose their purpose when they lose their spouse. When they go through a divorce or someone uh, uh, dies or something happens, they go, oh, my purpose is over because my son passed away and I can't do anything without him. And he was my everything. He was my world. And I'm telling you, your purpose is bigger than any relationship in your life. Your purpose is to bring glory to God in whatever season of life you're in. And that never changes, no matter what title you have, no matter what people come into your life, or what people leave your life, or what happens, or what happens to your salary. Your purpose is to point others to Jesus. Jesus said in Mark uh, 14, he said, or Mark 10, he said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So my purpose is not just to point people to God, but my, my purpose is also to serve people. And I can do that anywhere. I remember sitting down with Truett Cathy, the CEO of Chick-fil-A. 
and this was about 20 years ago. I remember sitting down as a teenager, and he spoke to a group of teenagers. We were all, you know, in, in our, our later teenage years, and I remember sitting on the floor in Atlanta at the headquarters of Chick-fil-A, and True Kathy comes in, and he says, I'm doing today what I did 60 years ago. I'm still serving people. He said, now I'm just serving on a higher level. But he said, 60 years ago, I signed up to be a, a Sunday school teacher for the seventh grade boys class. I was a 19-year-old college student, and I signed up to serve in my Baptist church. He said, I'm still serving in that Sunday school class, and I'm also serving chicken. And I'm serving a lot more chicken than I was 50 years ago because we've expanded our company, and there's more you know, Chick-fil-A's opening up around the nation. But you know, when you, when you recognize that your purpose is bigger than any title or season, you never lose your identity. Number seven, pack your vision. Because every season you will need a vision. Without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, people don't know what to do. So pack your vision. Habakkuk chapter two says, even though the vision may not come yet, even though the vision is for a future time, it will happen. Hold on to the vision. What helps me persevere is having a vision. Make sure you pack your vision in your bag. Number eight, pack your identity. Pack your identity. Ephesians chapter one says, you've been adopted into God's family. You've been given every spiritual blessing. You are a son, a daughter of God. You are a royal priesthood. You were created in Christ Jesus to do great works. You're a masterpiece. You are created in his image. Don't let anyone determine who you are except for God. Pack your identity. Why? Because wherever you go, people will try to shape your identity. People will try to tell you who you are and who you aren't. In a gender-confused society where people don't know who they are, in a sexually confused society where people don't know who they love, and there's so much confusion and people are trying to figure out, I don't know, somebody tell me who I am. God has already said it. You are his child. You are a masterpiece. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. You're a mighty man of God. You're a beautiful daughter of the king. And you have value. Not because of what you have, not because of what you wear, not because of what salary you make or, or what car you drive or house you live in. You have value because you're a child of God. I remember going um, with my brother and, and a friend to this baseball game, and, and when we went, uh, my friend, his name's Daniel Grothy, we got to the front de desk, and they said, all right, $10 a ticket. We start searching in our pockets, trying to find our money, and Daniel says, do you know who these boys are? And the ticket person was like, nope. And he's like, these are the sons of Billy Joe and Sharon Darty. And I was like, stop, Daniel. And he was like, these boys, their dad sits on the board here to work you. You should let them into the game. And I was like, Daniel, we'll pay for the tickets. And he said, you don't know, you don't know what you have with your last name. And I was like, I, I, I never want to use my last name like that. And he said, yeah, but you need to know the authority that comes with your name. When he said that, something went off with me about believers, that Christians, we forget the authority we have. We forget that we have been adopted into the family, that we are heirs of the same promises that God gave Abraham, that he is with us, he is for us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We have the master key to walk in victory in every season of life. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. It's time for you to graduate from the school of insecurity and step into a fresh season of boldness. It's time for you to graduate from the school of regrets and shame and step into the new season of forgiveness and hope and grace. 
Some of us today, we just need to graduate from a season we've been in for a long time. Number nine, pack your faith. Band, I want you to come out. We're going to go into praise and worship here. When things get chaotic, pack your faith. When things get shaky, pack your faith. When life doesn't make sense, pack your faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you packing? Are you packing? Come on, it's Oklahoma. We got some people packing some heat in the room today. I'm thankful you guys are protecting us. But you know what? You need to pack the real heat. The real heat. <laughs> the real heat is faith in God. Again, there's been moments in my life. I go back to my graduation in 2008 when people were freaking out about the housing market crash. And then they were saying stuff like, ah, if this politician is not elected, we're going to all be doomed and it's all going to be bad. And, you know, people are just screaming, running around like chickens with their heads cut off. <laughs> and and I, I remember in that moment just going, my faith is not in a president. My faith is not in a government. My faith is not in America. My faith is not in who's in office or what laws are passed. My faith is in the one who sits on the throne and he was not voted in and he cannot be voted out. And there was no fraud with his election. He's been the king from the beginning. And I'm telling you right now, no matter what happens, keep the faith. Keep the faith. His economy is not determined by our economy. So no matter what season you're in, Jehovah Jireh is with you. The same promise he gave Abraham, he gives to you. The same promise he gave his disciples, he gives to you. Why would he give us his word if he didn't want us to read it and believe it and accept it, that it's his word for us. So pack the faith. And number 10, final point here, pack your praise, my friends. Pack your praise. When life gets crazy, give praise to God. When life is good, give praise to God. When you're in the mountaintop, give praise to God. When you're in the valley, give praise to God. Your praise is your breakthrough. Your praise is your release. Your praise is how you step into every next season. Come on, stand to your feet today. Psalm 1611 says, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there is peace. As you begin to praise, the peace begins to come. As you begin to praise, the problems begin to shift and change. And you know what? All of us in this room, we're, play, we're praising something. We're either praising our problems, we're either praising our feelings, or we're praising God. Praise just means to fix your attention and your adoration on something or someone. So I want to encourage us today that we would fix our attention and our adoration and our magnification on the only one who can solve the problems in our life, the only one who can fix the situations that seem unfixable, the only one who supersedes what we're going through who understands the depths of a man's soul, who understands the depths of a woman's heart. He's the only one who can solve the issues that you're facing right now. So instead of praising a person, instead of praising a feeling, instead of praising a situation, go ahead and give praise to your Father in heaven who knows all things and who is with you in all things and who deserves all praise. Come on, give Him worship today. Give Him worship today. Let's just begin to praise God right now. You are good, God.
I just hear God saying, some of you, you need to step into a new season. And there's some things you need to release and there's some things today in the message that God's saying, you haven't been packing that stuff and you need it. If that's you, I want you to just leave your seat. Come and join me at the altar right now. Just turn this into a time of surrender. If you just need a fresh new season, you need to turn the tassel. You need to turn a page in your life. Maybe it's in your mindset, your emotions, a situation you've been walking through. You're just saying, Lord, I am choosing to release some stuff to you. I'm choosing to lay some things at the altar. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I've not been walking in the joy of the Lord. I've been defeated. I've been discouraged. I need to get my laughter back. I need to get my joy back. I need to get that sense of humor back in my life. Maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, I've, I've lost my purpose. I've lost my way. And, and I've, I've been trying to figure out what's next today. Whatever it is from the sermon that you say, that's it. I've, I've got to pack that again in my life. I've got to get that back in my heart. I want you to come to the altar right now. Come and join us. If you need healing today, if you need victory today, if you need freedom today, if you need joy today, if you need to get your mind and your heart fixed on the promises of God and off of the problems you've been walking through, come and join us at this altar. Maybe you're here right now and you say, I'm not right with God. I need to surrender to Jesus. Come and join us at this altar. Let's just take a few more minutes and let's just begin to worship the Lord. Yeah, just begin to release it to God right here at this altar. Whatever it is that you need, just ask Him for it. Just say, Lord, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Lord, I need to forgive some people. Lord, I need your joy. God, I need your purpose in my life. Lord, I'm trusting in you. I'm leaning not to my own understanding. God, I'm all yours.
that enemy of discouragement. like you've been given a cap and a gown and I want you to pretend like you have your tassel right here and before you turn it to the other side before you turn it to the other side 
Just like if you were at a graduation, those graduates, the turning of a tassel is a big deal, right? It signifies the end of one chapter and the beginning of a new chapter. It signifies that I'm graduating this season into a new season. And I don't know who needs this prophetically right now, but I just feel like the Lord is saying, you are graduating. You passed the test. You, you passed the test. You've been walking and you've been, you've been hustling and you've been working hard and God says, it's a new season. It's graduation time. And I feel like the Lord is also saying to some of you, as you turn this tassel, you're turning the tassel in your mind more than anything. It's a mental tassel you need to turn. It's a mental page. He's saying it's time to turn whatever the shame, the regret, the hurts, the wounds, the resentment, the bitterness, the insecurity, the fears, that today God is stamping you with his approval. He says, you are mine. You're a child of God. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. Now walk in that boldness. Walk in that confidence, that courage. Step into the new you that I've called you to be. Some of you just got baptized. It's the turning of a tassel. He says, it's a new season for you. It's a new season of joy in your house where the enemy had stolen your laughter. You're gonna start laughing again. You're gonna start rejoicing again. You're gonna get your praise back. You're gonna get your worship back in your house. So on the count of three, I want you to turn your tassel just like, like you pretend like you have one. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on. Come on. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new time in your life. Lord, I just pray right now for every person in the room. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are taking us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. God, I thank you, Lord, you're restoring joy. You're bringing peace. You're bringing hope. You're bringing a fresh new start in people's lives. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I repent of sin. I receive your forgiveness. You are my Lord, my Savior. I am all yours. My best days are not behind me. They are right in front of me. You are not finished with me yet. And I will walk in victory because you live in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on.